0: Welcome to the LawCast. My name is Melanie Thorley and I'm the director here and today we are going to look at one insane case and two kind of new changes to employment law here in Brisbane. Both these changes have been creeping up for a really long time and uh, I just thought it'd be really nice to highlight some of it. The first one is for a while now, we've been talking about domestic violence leave, and I think probably if some of you are long-term listeners, you've probably heard us talk about it. You know, this time last year. Well, for a while now. Um, Sorry, for a while now, domestic violence leave has been available to employees of businesses who are not considered small businesses. Now, for those of you who don't know, small business in the Fair Work Act is a business that has 14 or less employees. So now um, the law has progressed and small businesses are now captured from the 1st of August, so just a few days ago. Now, I'm really interested in this because, this small, because the small... Uh, Paid domestic violence leave is quite generous. Uh, and I'm just wondering what sort of pressure that's going to place small businesses under. Uh, it's it provides for 10 paid family domestic violence leave days each year. Now it's not something that accumulates, you just get it. Beginning of each year, it's you have it. Woohoo! And uh, it includes all employees, even the casual ones who wouldn't normally get any leave entitlements. And uh, it renews every year on the employee's anniversary. So there is a risk, uh, certainly in this year, for employees to be able to take it twice, in fact. Because it exists as of now, and then it will exist again. When they have, um, when an employee's been there again on their anniversary. So, if you are a permanent employee, you are currently entitled to 10 days personal carers leave, you're entitled to uh, 20 days holiday, so that's two weeks and then four weeks, and now you're entitled to another two weeks and potentially another two weeks this year of paid leave. Now, we've had so much stuff happen this year. We've had increases of salaries. We've had uh, the minimum wage. We've had increases of uh, the superannuation. We've seen that um, there's a massive number of changes when it comes to uh, how we interact with our employees. And now we've got this, small business. And I'm just wondering how small business will cope, to be honest. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm just really interested to see how, this is, how they're going to cope with it. Now, I'm not saying that employees shouldn't receive leave for domestic violence. I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about the incidental issues that it will place upon small business, especially if that small business only has one or two employees and that person has just taken 10 days off um, unannounced and you still have to pay them. It's kind of interesting. The other one that's happening at the moment is uh, the new labour hire kind of concept, same job for same pay. Now, right now we're still in consultation, it's still happening, we're still trying to figure out what it means, but what we do know now is it's going to be inserted into the Fair Work Act, which means you can't contract out of it, and uh, it's going to capture um It's going to provide a direct entitlement for labour hire workers to receive at least the same pay as a directly engaged employee. And it's going to provide a positive obligation on labour hire providers and host employers to take reasonable steps to ensure that the entitlement is paid to the labour hire worker. I don't know how this is going to affect labour hire businesses. I assume it's going to... It's going to almost decimate the, the the whole concept of labour hire. But I, I still need to see how it plays out. Um, companies can be really good at pivoting. They can be really good at uh, readjusting their expectations. Um, there are going to be some tests to find out whether the employer is providing Only contingent labour, um, or performing independent scopes of work, or the contractor employees are using host tools and equipment and machinery, and all the host and its employees are directly supervising, uh, or the employees have autonomy for with the hours and what they do and how much work they do each day and so on and so forth. Most labour hire employees in Australia have no autonomy they're essentially sent to work like an employee at another company but they're employed with somebody else uh it can create a bit of a a mischief and this one i'm really interested to see how it plays out it it will be really interesting to see if the labor hired companies just get slammed um now for a bit of a strange case now we all know that employees get up to mischief and it's sometimes really hard to stop it from happening. In this case, Daydream Island Resort had an employee had a system where employees had to be on the resort so they'd be bunking essentially with each other two on two. And it's not, you know, uh, it's two men or two women or yeah you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not like some sort of co-ed environment. And uh this chap got insanely drunk. Well, I'm going to say insanely drunk because I can't imagine you would have not been insanely drunk when this happened. And in the staff bar, and then so Mr. Hewitt and Mr. Stockman were both living together on Daydream Island Resort and they were, um, yeah, bunking together. So they were working and bunking together. Now, Mr. Hewitt went to the staff bar, he enjoyed himself for the evening, then went home and urinated in the face of his sleeping co-worker. <laughs> I have to say people, this is off the cassette for me. Um, I've heard of a lot of things, like a lot of things, but not this. Apparently, it was so bad that he, that the, Mr. Stockman woke with the sensation of being unable to breathe. (laughs) Oh my God. Anyway, so as gross as that all is, there was obviously uh, a claim. In the first instance, the judge said that the employer was not vicariously liable. I mean, obviously, you're going to go for deep pockets if you're going to sue. Um, it is honest said that Mr. Hewitt's actions were not committed in the course of employment. Interesting, but okay, I can accept that. Although the incident arose out of the requirement of shared accommodation, Mrs. Mr. Stockman had told the Daydream Island nurse that his pre-existing condition um, and they ought to have known there was some capacity for some strong emotions and, and some psychological injury. Um, and there was, or should have been reasonably known that a risk of unpleasant confrontation between the employees and the accommodation. However, it was not clear that any of the additional measures at CCIG, such as screening procedures, code of conduct, anything like that, would have prevented this from happening. And quite frankly, I agree. It, I, I don't necessarily agree that it's not the company's not vicariously liable. But maybe they've mitigated it. Now, I'm not the judge. I'm just providing the point of view. Now, it went to appeal. And this is really interesting because these things are really expensive. And the appeal judge did not agree. Uh, The Court of Appeal did not agree. They awarded damages uh, exceeding $430,000. An incredible amount of money. And uh, they said that there was a connection in employment and it was a negligent act and that CGI was vicariously liable. Now, this was appealed again. Okay, so now we've got a second appeal. We've got seven high court judges watching this. So the first judge said, not vicariously liable. Second judge, the second court of appeal said, um, yes, vicariously liable, and now we've got the high court. So this has been going on for some time. The high court, sorry, since 2021, the high court said, no, not vicariously liable. The question of whether a wrongful act was committed in the course of the scope of employment depends on the circumstances of the particular case, including identification of what the employer was actually employed to do and held out as being employed to do. Nothing in the present case pointed to the drunken act of Mr. Hewitt being authorised being in any way required by or being incidental to his employment. In truth, had no real connection to it. Now this is really interesting because I, I need I need to look into this far more than I um, than I have. But that's fascinating, isn't it? That uh, you can have something happen at a work-created environment and it not being incidental to employment. Notwithstanding the absolute appalling act of urinating in someone's face, people. No, don't do it, yes, and as a company, I would probably try to avoid, um, um, you know, making it sound like this sort of thing could be acceptable, but obviously, you know, no sensible employer, no sensible person sees this as a good idea okay so that's all we have today people it's a very short session today and hopefully you've uh, had some fun listening to nation. oh my god and um and next next fortnight we'll talk about something else thank you very much for watching and listening to the Lawcast. it's melanie thorley here saying goodbye for the day see you later